welcome to the second series of the Reworked podcast, brought to you by diversity consultancy EW Group. I'm Rachel Wilson, and every fortnight I'll be speaking to CEOs, HR leaders and workplace activists about the steps they are taking to reform and rework organisational culture. This is the third in our series of mini-guides to diversity and inclusion, which we've called How to Rework. Today we're talking about inclusive recruitment, which is one of our most popular topics with clients at EW Group. Coming up, I'm going to share our top 10 tips for inclusive recruitment, which you can apply straight away in your workplace. But first of all, what do we mean by inclusive recruitment? On the one hand, there's being simply open to different groups applying. So if they turn up on the day, then I'll treat them the same as everybody else. On the other hand, there's then proactively taking steps to ensure that each stage in the recruitment process is fair, transparent and equal, irrespective of gender, age, disability and so on. So it's this proactive and considered approach which is inclusive recruitment. If we accept that the way we've recruited people in the past, and often this hasn't been reviewed for years or even decades in some organisations, does present barriers to different groups, then it's only this proactive approach which will make any difference to the types of people we end up hiring. And most organisations who take an honest look at how successful different groups are at each stage in their recruitment process can really only conclude that they do not currently have an equal playing field. Every industry and sector has its own talent shortfall. There simply aren't enough highly skilled people to meet most organisations' needs. Teachers, engineers, tech professionals, care workers, the list goes on. In most sectors, you'll find a role which is getting harder and harder to fill. This race for talent, as it's called, has become one of the main drivers behind a push for inclusive recruitment practices. After all, if you aren't attracting the widest possible pool of candidates for your vacant positions, then how can you be sure you're finding the most talented people? So what else is interesting about this way of recruiting? Beyond the need to open up the talent pool, many companies have crunched the data on employees and realised that they are, in the main, recruiting quite homogenous groups. This is largely down to a like-me or affinity bias on the part of interview panels. And you can listen to our How to Rework on Unconscious Bias to find out more about that. But there are also ways in which diverse groups are deselected from the process at earlier stages. Homogenous groups have been shown in a variety of research to make less successful business decisions, to be less innovative than diverse groups. So put simply, if you can attract, and of course retain, more diverse staff into your organisation, then your business performance and employee engagement should begin to rise. And what business doesn't want to see that? So what can we do to be more inclusive when recruiting? The short answer is lots. If you can, the best place to start is by carrying out a detailed analysis of how you currently recruit to determine where the barriers to different groups actually are. This is something our experts can help you with by analysing your recruitment data, speaking confidentially to those who have been through the process and observing your interview panels in action. However, if you want to get started with something straight away, Here come our top 10 tips for practising inclusive recruitment. Number one, create a positive narrative. Have a ready-made narrative around why you should change things. 
Begin framing and positioning the positive actions you are taking to become a more inclusive recruiter, and that will have benefits throughout the organisation. Number two, track diversity data on applicants throughout the process. If you aren't doing this yet, now is the time to start. Ask all applicants to complete a diversity monitoring form, which is confidential and held separately to their application. Use this to track how different groups drop off at each stage. For example, at initial sifting, telephone interviews, shortlisting, interview and decision. This will tell you where bias is most prevalent in your process. Get in touch with us if you'd like to see a best practice diversity monitoring form and we'll send that over to you. Most crucially, this step will also give you a baseline so you can see how successful the other changes you make to your recruitment process are. Number three, take positive action. Take steps to positively encourage or enable different groups to apply for the job. This might be as simple as stating, we are committed to best practice in equality, diversity and inclusion. Black, Asian, minority, ethnic and disabled candidates are underrepresented at our organisation and are particularly encouraged to apply. Remember, we are still going to hire the best person for the job. Positive action is about levelling the playing field, not about favouring individuals from particular groups over others. That's called positive discrimination and is mostly unlawful in the UK. Number four, ensure you have a diverse panel. This is an easy and no-cost change you can make straight away. Ensure that all hiring managers are pausing for thought before selecting their interview panels. Make sure you have as broad a range of diversity represented on the panel as possible. This will make a big difference to the candidate's experience and enable them to really give their best performance on the day. We often hear stories from women, for example, who have been interviewed by all male panels. When they're offered the job, they immediately have doubts about joining what they perceive as a male-dominated company. Great talent has been lost many times by not following this simple, free step. Number five, make sure everyone has been trained in unconscious bias and that biases are acknowledged and explored in the decision-making process. We can give your hiring managers in-depth unconscious bias training, which is specific to recruitment and selection. It's important that we understand how even our most subtle behaviours give a cue to candidates and that those verbal and non-verbal signals negatively impact our ability to attract and recruit the best talent. Our one-day course incorporates lots of practical interview exercises so that your managers can understand from first-hand experience how it feels to be on the receiving end of bias, particularly in such a heightened and artificial environment as a job interview. Number six, use a predetermined list of questions which directly relate to the job description and be clear about the evidence you're looking for from candidates against each. It sounds simple, doesn't it? But remember that you are looking for evidence from your candidates that they can do the job, even if they aren't doing precisely the same tasks in their current role. It's really good practice to recruit for potential. And remember that people who step up into a new role are going to feel stretched challenged and engaged in the longer term, more so than somebody who's done it all before. Therefore, you're more likely to retain that person and not have to repeat your interview process. Number seven, no personal questions. Personal questions are an inclusive recruitment no-no because they lead us straight to affinity bias. 
If you find out the interviewee follows the same sports team as you, likes the same restaurant or went to the same junior school as you, it will unconsciously cloud your judgment. So steer clear and make an objective decision instead based upon the candidate's ability to do the job. The time probably to be most mindful of this is on the walk to and from the interview room itself. So ideally, get someone else to do the meet and greet of the candidates who is not on the panel. Number eight, use follow-on questions to get the best from each candidate. This is a technique borrowed straight from the best journalists. You should not be setting candidates up to fail. Your job is to get the best answer from your candidates, not their only answer. If they've not given you quite the answer you're looking for, it may have been because your question wasn't clear enough. So give them the chance to show off their skills by asking a secondary question. This is a positive action technique which can be applied to every single candidate. Number nine, keep your questions concise. Ask clear single questions and not multiple ones. Many interviewers haven't sat in the candidate's chair for some time. Think about how each of your questions will be understood from their perspective, without all the prior knowledge of the organisation which you, the interviewer, has. If it's a complex question, break it down into one main question and supplementary questions. And finally, number 10, smile. This last point cannot be understated. Our physical signals and cues are what will make this interview either an enjoyable opportunity for the candidate to talk about all they have achieved so far in their career, or a loathsome experience they would rather forget. But not until they've told all their friends and family how hostile, stroke bored, stroke uninterested the interview panel were. Remember, you're being evaluated too. And how much better it will be if the word of mouth is what a great employer your company is. I hope this episode gave you some ideas that you can replicate in your own organisation. We'd love it if you could leave a review and also subscribe to Reworked so you don't miss our next episode. Diversity and inclusion at work has never been higher up the agenda. The EW Group team includes learning and development specialists, facilitators, researchers and analysts, all with deep expertise in equality, diversity and inclusion. If you think we can help you rework your own culture, please get in touch.